Welcome to another episode of the Wild Edible World Podcast, where you'll find us spreading like mycelium, and you're going to find out why in this episode. I'm Michael at Edible Illinois. And I am Steve, aka 10 Freaky Chickens on a Plot. This episode is for future foragers, uh, those who are interested in getting in the game, but are unsure where to start. Like a lot of other things, um, it's really grounded in community. Um, a lot of people can be self-taught, um, but the harvesting community in general, so when we talk about harvesting community, that's the gardening community, that's the foraging community, just everybody that helps uh, bring their own food into their own hands. Um, it's just a really welcoming and supportive community. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about how uh, other people who aren't as steeped in those communities can get access to them. Um, personally, I've spent a lot of time in uh, different clubs or uh, going to different festivals. Um, so we'll list a few of those um, in a minute. Um, just to give a quick list of like the different types of organizations that you can be a part of, there's um, all sorts of mycology clubs. Um, there's volunteer opportunities um, that you can do. All sorts of forest preserves um, have native plant sales. And there's also uh, all sorts of like events that go on at libraries and other public institutions like that that offer all sorts of free education. Um, you can usually get some sort of uh, quarterly schedule from them or something that'll go into uh, the descriptions of the different types of events that they do. And a lot of those times they can be nature focused. Um, but um, personally, let's I'll start with uh, what I've spent most of my time as far as community is concerned, um, and that's, honestly, it's in social media. Um, social media platforms provide a really, uh, really interesting access point for a lot of people, beginners, experts included. Um, I can't, I can't believe the amount of expert, uh, professionals that I've been able to just have easy at hand because Absolutely. of something so silly like Facebook or Instagram. Like, what, what are some of the people you've learned from? Or yeah, I mean, they're just, there's just a wealth of, of knowledge out there. And, and that's one of the biggest things in foraging is that there's, you're constantly learning. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're in your eighth, ninth, tenth season harvesting something, there's so much still to learn. Like, it's just ever-changing. Like, it's, it's nature. You can't control it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And even this coming from, like, a, a longtime gardener, if you think I'm going to do everything the exact same step as I did last year. I'm going to end up with the exact same harvest of tomatoes, of cucumbers, of, of anything. Um, and this is in a very controlled garden environment. You're, you're, t you're totally wrong. You, you have to call a lot of audibles and you have to, uh, you know, just kind of think quick. And uh, that's, like I said, in a very controlled gardening atmosphere. So in foraging, where... You're not controlling anything. You're just there for the ride. <laughs> um, it's it's just so helpful to have some have people that have been doing it for years and years uh, to to lean back on because the more than just doing this frequently, we want people to do it safely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there's a very popular saying that there's there's old foragers and there's bold foragers, <laughs> and there aren't any that are both. Um, so yeah, definitely taking caution and learning from the people who are super still alive, um, is the best approach. I, I totally agree. So if you're, if you're out there and you're nervous and you're like, I don't know where to start, 
the best thing you can do is ask questions. So in a lot of these group, and there are even groups for beginners, try uh, beginner mycology, beginner gardening, beginner, you know, as long as you include that in your search, you're going to find like an entry level group and you're going to find people that are there to help you and who have been there mm-hmm. and who are, you know, willing to point you in the right direction. And uh, like to hit this once again, doing it safely and uh, taking advantage of all the tools that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Technological tools included. Because um, And a lot of those people, um, you know, they, they share this perspective where they know that no, I don't think anybody out there is really a huge know-it-all. And if they are, then <laughs> they're kind of not really appreciated by the community. Because I think we all can appreciate the, the how different things are every year. Um, like you said, you can't do the same thing in the garden every year. I can't go pick um, berries at the same exact time every year. Yeah, like this year, we're noticing that we're like two, three weeks behind where we were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yet we're still hitting record high temperatures, which is this, you know... Uh, really interesting thing to have to work with um but yeah doing it um safely is obviously the most important and you get that with um you you can accomplish that by consulting people um always triple checking everything even if that's uh, and that is especially easy whenever you have all these online groups um and I, I would like to add on that um concerning those online groups uh, you can even find more local ones too so you say like oh if you're in in our case if we're in the chicago area you just like look up chicago mushroom id or something like that and you're probably going to come up with a a club or an id group that is centralized in the chicago area i know i'm part of like three or four mushroom hunting groups just in the chicago area they're they're called uh just like northern illinois mushroom hunting hunting central illinois mushroom hunting (laughs) chicago mushroom hunting you know and they all kind of use the same key terms um just different locations so use that to kind of propel yourself deeper into these uh cultures because um, once you start finding all these keywords you can kind of use them to find everything else so um, moving on from <clears throat> like Facebook groups, I mean that's a that's a pretty accessible one, uh, pretty easy to navigate those. Um, there's you know using the words wild harvest or foraging 101 that'll give you some good um, some um, excuse me good groups. Um, but beyond that, uh, you can use, uh, so mo- a lot of my business is done on Instagram, um, pretty much just kind of surfing hashtags, um, finding keywords through that, and then finding other, uh, foragers individually through that. Um, and again, a lot of these people are just so dang nice Absolutely. and they're willing to have a conversation and willing to answer your questions, um, as, as long as you're approaching them in a equally respective manner. Yeah, and it's, I, th- I think it's almost a little bit shocking how many people do this, and you don't know about it. So a mutual friend of ours, Ricky of, from Foreign Exchange. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ricky, uh, you know, I follow him on Instagram, and his story, he was out foraging for this or that with a, with a pal. And uh, then the other day, him and I were just talking about it, you know. It's so weird. We wouldn't have known that. It doesn't come up every day in conversation. It's not like, you know, you walk around with your harvesting bag all, on you at yeah. all times. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's cool. Lot, lots of people do it, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are varying levels of experience, so um, yeah, I just think that's awesome. Yeah, the, I, I think that's a really good point. There's a lot more people that are doing it than you might think, or that are then are willing to talk about it too. Because a lot of people, um, there's there's 
you know, and part of the aim of this show, too, is to kind of release it from this stigma that you're going to die if you eat something that grows outside, you know, mm, or that exactly. if you don't wash it or something, you know, mm. it's, um, there's a lot of stigma that goes around with eating plants that you yeah. find in the wild. Yeah, because it's not, uh, you know, a giant lettuce leaf or it's not uh, a big, beautiful red tomato that it's, that it's somehow strange or, or, you know, it's, it's just not the normal and, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been kind of disenchanted or, uh, kind of a, uh, what's, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, we've been uh, tricked into thinking that a blackberry is supposed to be the size of your thumb. Exactly. You know, most of them, the most flavorful ones that you're going to find out in the wild, they're so much tinier. But I would argue that not only are they more flavorful, but they're they're more nutrient-dense. They're better for you. They've got a lot more of that uh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> um, but I digress. Um, yeah, yeah. We, could, we could get going on that one for a while. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so moving on to some other uh, community um, programs that you can get yourself involved in. Um, so as far as mushrooms are concerned, there's mycology clubs. Um, I know there's the National Association, or uh, North America Mycological Association, NAMA. And uh, they do a lot of work. Um, I think they just had their... Um, their countrywide meeting just like up in Wisconsin or just like right nearby the Chicago area. So they're actually kind of somewhat uh, active in Illinois. I've, I've gone on mycological forays in Cook County, which is the Chicago, uh, Chicago County, uh, with the um, one of the head people of the North American Mycological Association. Um, I can't recall his name. But, I mean, you just have, uh, just going to an event like that, not only are you meeting uh, other people that are interested in learning about mushrooms, and so you can kind of make friends that way, but you're also directly in contact with people who are doing the science, who you can just show them this mushroom and say, what is this? And they go, oh, blah, 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 you know, uh, this is the, uh, the scientific name for it. Um, so there's the North American Mycological Association, and there's also the... Illinois Mycological Association, um, which is where I do most of my uh, mushroom adventuring with. Like, if I ever do a public event, I'll go on a foray with the Illinois Mycological Association. I do want to say that they, uh, they do have a membership fee. So I think, like, Illinois Mycological Association is like $20 a year, which um, might be a lot for some people. Worth but, it. dude, it is so <laughs> worth it. The amount of... Uh, they have like at least like bi-weekly maybe monthly uh guests that they, they give uh talks um i've watched so many lectures on bioluminescence and mushrooms um i i reference another one that i heard uh from an indian woman named priya who did uh um lichen the edibility of like different lichen species in indian spices I would love to hear that dude she is so cool <laughs> she and i actually and then and again this is one of the connections that we made she gave a lecture for an association that i'm a member of and i followed her on instagram and now we're having conversations all the time you know she was asking me to come on on her last talk to just to talk about um working with lichen unfortunately i was busy so i didn't have uh the opportunity to join her in that but um there's just so many cool so many cool connections you can make through these clubs, guys. <laughs> There's a lot, and you and I were just talking before we before we sat down to record this about like um, 
plant swaps and oh, yeah. seed swaps. And right now in our area, what is it, the 14th of yes. May? Yes, May 14th, 2022. Uh, man, it's already halfway through May. But yep. uh, we were just talking, right now in our area, uh, there's a lot of native plant sales. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, for people that are out there foraging and have volunteered to get rid of uh, invasive species and things of that nature, it's just, it's so cool to be able to bring a piece of that home and maybe... Uh, help out the pollinators. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what a huge, what a what a trophy of yeah. your success to be able to bring home a native plant from a forest preserve that you've, or or at least uh, nursed by a, a forest preserve organization that you've helped uh, remove the invasives for. I've done that for sure. Um, I haven't bought any native plants. I don't really have uh, that much planting capability where I live, but I've definitely, I still participate in volunteer. Uh, programs where uh, there's one specifically in the Chicago area called the River Cleanup. And we basically um, sign up on this big list of people to, you know, you pick whatever forest preserve you want to go to. You get to choose where you want to have your effect. And they basically give you a three or four plant primer. They pull a couple of the plants that they want you to help um, get rid of. And they tell you how to identify them. They show you uh, what like what to look for and what makes them invasive and you know kind of explain to you the whole ecology of it and then you know you spend two hours out there trying to you know pull these plants out double checking with the like normally they'll give you like a small switch from the uh the branch and you carry that around you can find it and you pull the plants out um and just the amount of direct good you're doing there um it, it makes you feel awesome but also again it's putting you into connection with all these people who have the exact same priorities as you, who really prioritize connection with nature, the proliferation of nat uh, native plants, um, and just the uh, the consciousness, the conscientiousness that goes into just caring about that stuff at all. It's going to bring you into contact with some really, really great people. Um, so beyond that, um, yeah, so native plant sales uh, can happen through the forest preserves. Um, and that's a really cool place to be able to get plants that you know for a fact are grown for your habitables, your your habit uh, habitat. Um, it's going to be in your hardiness zone, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, that's a gardening zone. thing. Yeah. Five uh, B. Yeah, five B. <laughs> woo. Um, so you can get plant uh, plants from there, but you can also um, some libraries, not all libraries. It's but it is growing in. Uh, it, it, this is a growing kind of section is libraries having their own native plant seed libraries. So a lot of these native plants, um, they give off just tons of seeds. And there is, again, a growing community of people who collect these seeds and are happy to distribute them. Um, you know, a lot of uh, myself included, it's, it's almost like it's your moral obligation to help other people real, uh, get access to these plants. Um, so as, as with a library, it is free. You get to go to these libraries. You can find a seed catalog or, you know, quote unquote catalog, their list of seeds that they have in stock. And you can walk away with some seeds that you can plant and grow your own beautiful native plants from, uh, from the ground up. And I think that's the coolest thing coming from a, you know, a long time gardener, a seed guy, I would consider myself a seed guy. I have a little okay. bit of a problem. My wife would agree uh, <laughs> okay. with, with purchasing. But uh, I, I, this is new to me. I didn't know. I, I mean, obviously, I know there are like seed vaults in you know sure. this country and that country. But uh, I didn't know that local libraries were handing out native seeds. So, 
I mean, for somebody who's a seed guy, yeah, this is the learning. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. Learning, learning on our own podcast. There you go. What the heck? That's what this is all about. <laughs> um, it's opportunity for you to contribute your own seeds as well, and but also to take advantage of the free seeds that they have there. And again, it's not every library, so always check your local library. They may or may not have it, but it is something that is increasing in popularity. Um, also increasing in popularity are uh, nature-themed festivals. So this is probably the most fun part of... Um, the community access. Sounds like fun. Oh, dude, they are so much fun. I actually just went to a mushroom festival down in Southern Illinois a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, just the, again, the amount of different educators. I mean, it was in a whole, is I'm from, uh, I live currently in the Northern part of Illinois. And there is kind of this, uh, Illinois has three sections, basically. Yeah. It's got, you got the top part, the Chicago area, you got the middle part, which is basically all just farmland. Springfieldy. Spring type. yeah. Just yeah, just uh blank farm wastes as far as you can see. And then you get a little bit further than that, and the southern section is actually a nationally uh, a national forest. Um so a large part of the southern tip of Illinois is uh just really beautiful and completely underrated. So I spent my weekend down there um at a mushroom festival and that was uh really fun. There's all sorts of events that you can go to that I'm sure are in your local area if you look for a mushroom festival or um another one of my favorites is called the Midwest Wild Harvest Festival and that's actually uh an event another weekend long event that is put on by the uh foraging deity himself Sam Thayer um mostly organized by his wife but it has a uh, you know, just some of the heaviest hitters in the foraging community, like Alan Burgo, the foraging chef, or forager chef, excuse me, and uh, Tim Clemens, who's Minnesota forager, is a common educator there, as well as my friend um, and another friend of mine, Orion Dian. He's uh, known as Colorado, uh, Forage Colorado, and he does a lot of the mushroom, uh, mushroom forays during that weekend festival. And so this is just... A, bringing you in direct contact with some of the most influential minds in foraging right now. Granted, this is an event that is not in Illinois. It is in Wisconsin, which is why it's called the Midwest Wild Harvest Festival. But I would not be surprised if you were to go to other harvest festival-themed um, events that you're going to find a very similar community that's just as passionate about harvesting and making sure that, um, you know, th th a lot of the priorities are in line with foraging um, when it comes to that. And in case you haven't picked up on it yet, when Mike did the intro and he said spreading like mycelium, he's talking mm. about this family that he's been listing off. You know, mm. all these people are, are their community. We're all one big connected organism and uh, we want you. Welcome to the fam. Yeah, definitely bring it on in for the mycelial hug. Uh, we... <laughs> We need more people. Um, and yeah, that, that, is, that, is, uh, that was the theme, was that um, you know, a lot of these priorities, these concepts and passions really kind of uh, leak through every single one of these, what seem like different passions. But really, I mean, I, I don't see too much difference um, in gardening and foraging, especially as far as the supportiveness that you get and the education there is to be had. And um, just how, like we said at the top, how welcoming people that have been doing it for so long 
are still so welcoming with new information. Yeah, know? and willing to answer the most basic questions yeah. and willing to regulate when somebody gets a little bit testy on the group pages. Like, like, oh, this is common sense. Well, maybe it's common sense for someone that's been doing it for 10 years. But it's just it's cool that there's people that are out there that are so open-minded um, because it really is just like a big community. Like yeah. once, you're, once you're in, you're in. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you're in. And you can it, just like, yeah, getting your foot in the door in one place just realizes makes you realize that, oh, behind that door is a whole hallway full of doors, like yeah. in the Matrix, you know? It's, it's just like endless doors. There's so many different places you can go and learn from, and hopefully this podcast becomes one of those places for you and all of our listeners. Um, we hope that we can help you learn these things and bring you closer into the uh, mycelial connection of all these other organizations. Um, so with that, um, I just want to say that uh, community should always be a priority um, as far as foraging is concerned. Um, we had talked about this a little bit before we started recording that foraging is not a one person solo act. One person, you know, like the show alone, that's a that's supposed to be a test of a single person's limits. Also, Nobody's supposed to win. I love that show so much. I love the show so much too. <laughs> and I think it's incredible how much some of these people are capable of doing, but... I think we have to realize that those people are technically anomalies. Yeah. You know, having one person take down an entire uh, buffalo. Oh my gosh, and that was such an intense episode. Oh my god! And then, <laughs> but he he could have stayed out there for a year. Yeah. He could have stayed out there for even longer. And um, you know, while that is incredibly impressive and something to be admired, um, it's just not normal. Yeah. You know. Um, not everybody has rock house. No, not, not everybody has rock house, exactly, or a buffalo face to chew on. Um, but, you know, I just listened to an interview with a woman uh, named Monica Wild, and she uh, is very aptly named, Perfect but name. yeah, but she just uh, got off a year of eating exclusively wild food, only foraged food, no, uh, no grocery store, nothing. And she was a vegetarian before that, but she realized pretty quickly that she wasn't going to be able to keep up um, her nutrition without getting some sort of wild protein in there. But not only that, she, uh, without asking, but at the end of this whole journey, she is openly saying that she would not have been able to make this whole year happen without the support of other foragers in the Europe, uh, European area. As she, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. She's, in, she's Scottish. She's in, oh, she's nice. in Scotland. Um, but they, you know, over in Europe, there's, of course, this way more uh, deeper history um, with foraging as far as, like, just the normal culture is concerned. Mm -hmm. So they already have, like, kind of a dense community established. They have the Association of Foragers, um, which is like this licensing thing that you can get uh, brought into if you are a professional forager. But I digress. She was getting uh, lots of supplies from people, um, sending her grains or just extra flowers that they had collected or, you know, whatever else. They would just send it to her because they knew she was doing this thing. And uh, she not only succeeded, but she thrived. She did a year. She did a whole year. Wow. You know, I've thought maybe like... In the full swing of gardening season, only like doing a month or or something of of only things I grow or like barter with the things I oh yeah from other people. So uh, I have a friend with a farm in, in Homer Glen mm -hmm. uh, who has uh, chickens and ducks and, and and all these cool things and uh, you know has 
like animals, pigs, um, and you know, I could barter with him or other people in the community. You know, yeah. there are lots of people. And but a year, wow, yeah, that's impressive. No, it's so impressive. And she she changed so much. Uh, just like uh, just seeing pictures of her through the whole year, she looks so much brighter and healthier right now. That's awesome. It's it's really impressive. I and gotta check that out. That's she so cool. she's also like uh, something of a food scientist. I can't remember what exactly uh, what she does, but she has access to labs and stuff. And she she made sure that she was getting her gut biome sure. uh, tested, and they were showing the different species um, that were left in her gut at the end of it. And uh, she it was it went through this whole transformation. Um, there was like a whole species that was listed that completely died out by the time she was done with the year, but she still feels like way better than ever. So sure. it's just this. Uh, kind of challenging this whole understanding that we have of what nutrition should be, what it is now, what it used to be. How it varies from person to person. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. How different, yeah, of course. That's, I mean, it's such an individualistic thing, you know. Sure. It, it will be different for every single person. But again, the point is, is that she wouldn't have been able to do this at all if she didn't have the support of other people around her. For the um, community. Yeah, for the community. Heck yeah. So I thought that was a really cool story to kind of finish this off. Um, and, and again, just kind of emphasizing on why community needs to be a priority because none of us can do this alone. Um, we're all here for each other. Um, and I think that if we, with, with the right perspective and um, the right amount of patience, we can all be lifting each other up and helping this world be better, cleaner, carbon neutral, um, fresher, more nutritious, uh, just all in all healthier. Um, so to finish off, I just want to make sure that, uh, to say that you should always be triple sure on your ID before you feed anybody you love and that will always include yourself. And Steve? So that's us inviting you to stay in, out in nature and out of the grocery stores. So thanks for listening to the Wild Out of the World podcast. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, another topic. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.